Well, again, good morning to each of you. A special welcome to those you are visiting this morning. I hope that you find uh, this to be a welcoming place and that you will experience worship this morning. This is an exciting week for us as a congregation. Uh, I hope you have been in prayer for the meetings that we have coming. Um, this week can be a real turning point for us, the congregation. Uh, a time to renew and to refresh and to reset. Uh, a time to hear from God in a special way, in a concentrated way. We all know what it's like to have a relationship with someone, but then you plan a, a retreat with them, or you plan a reunion, you plan a time where you're going to spend more time. Well, I'm not at all suggesting that you are not having a quality time with, with God every day in your devotional time, but as a congregation, we are coming together Thursday and Friday and Saturday and twice on Sunday. We're inviting another speaker someone we are not as familiar with, who will come and will bring to us a message from God. What God has laid on his heart, uh, Ron Yoder will be our speaker. Uh, Ron and I have not talked about the content of these services. Uh, we've had no discussion about that. Other than in the weeks preceding this, I have been in contact with him at various times, just assuring him, of my prayers for him as he hears from God what he would have him share with us. And so I'm excited for us looking forward to that. And um, so this morning, if you notice in the bulletin, I'm taking a bit of deviation. We've been looking at some issues, looking at biblical interpretation, application. But this morning, I have a message for all of us in preparation for the meetings that are coming up. Commitment requires renewal. Open your Bible this morning to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. If you are a student of the book of Revelation, you know what we have found in the chapter 2 and chapter 3. We find the letters to the seven churches. And this morning we're going to be looking at Revelation 3 verses 14 through 20. Have you ever had a conversation with someone to save a relationship. Some people call this an intervention, or some people call it a DTR, define the relationship. You know, one or both parties needs to say to the other, you know, I really love you. I really appreciate our relationship, but unless something changes, this relationship will not continue as it is. You know, if our relationship is going to survive, I need to speak truth to you. Uh, I must plead for your response. I must identify a blind spot that you have. Now, interventions, if you've ever had one of those conversations with someone, um, sometimes people say it's a come-to-Jesus moment, those can be painful but they are, can be so good. And I want this morning for us to look at Jesus' intervention with the church at Laodicea. So read, follow along with me. I'm going to be using the King James Version this morning. I'm more familiar with that. Revelation 3, verses 14 through 20. This is Jesus' intervention 
to the church at Laodicea. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and I have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. This letter to the Laodiceans contains no commendation. It appears that this church had totally assimilated to the culture around it. And Jesus has come to save the relationship with the church. He has come to have an intervention. He comes with absolute truth and insight. Notice in verse 14, he says, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and the true witness. What Jesus is coming to say to Laodiceans is, is true. It's factual. Well, what are conversations like? with someone who really loves you, and you know that they love you, who also really knows you. What are those conversations like? I think those can be life-changing. They can reset our relationship. They can prove it. They can set it on a right course. But sometimes those conversations can be hard. Sometimes those, congregations, those conversations bring pain. Sometimes those conversations bring tears. Sometimes they bring repentance and forgiveness. Tears and truth sometimes come out of those. Well, notice with me in verse 15 and 16, Jesus diagnoses the true spiritual condition of the church in Laodicea. See, Jesus has been witnessing their thoughts, their words, their actions, their attitudes, their prayer life, their appetites, their money. Jesus concludes that they are lukewarm. You're like lukewarm water. In fact, Jesus speaks some very hard language for them to hear. He basically says, in fact, your spiritual life repulses me. It makes me nauseated. It 
makes me want to gag, if I can say it in my own words. It makes me want to vomit. Your spiritual condition turns my stomach. Now, I ask you this morning, could a loving Savior say those words? Only a loving Savior could say those words. Jesus wishes the Laodicean believers were either cold or hot, he says. What does he mean by that? We know when Jesus taught with parables and so forth, he didn't just abstractly choose illustrations. They were rich with meaning. And I find this metaphor a bit ambiguous this morning. Perhaps it appears that he might be saying, you know, it would be better for them to reject him completely, to be cold, than to pretend to love him, to be lukewarm. I think there's something to be said for that. But I think there may be, I want to suggest this morning, maybe another reason why Jesus used this metaphor and what it might mean. I think perhaps he was referring to their understanding of the water supply in Laodicea. Laodicea had no natural water supply. Their cold water came from the east, from Colossae, about 10 miles away. Now, Colossae had a very good water supply, and it was cold and it was delicious. It was good, it was refreshing, but it had to come from 10 miles away. They received hot water from about six miles north of them, from Hierapolis. And the warm springs of Hierapolis, the water would get up to about 95 degrees. And it was very soothing for people. There was almost a medicinal value to that. But what happens when you pipe cold or hot water from many miles away? Along the way, it takes on the temperature of the day. And by the time it reached Laodicea, the cold water from Colossae was no longer refreshing. And the warm water from Hierapolis was no longer warm enough for healing, for soothing. You see, the water had assimilated to the temperature of the air around it. Jesus says, I know your deeds. I see everything, and I know. And you are no longer cold nor hot. You've assimilated to the local climate about you to such a degree that you are no longer a source of refreshment to the spiritually weary, nor a source of healing to the spiritually sick. You're lukewarm. Well, what do we know about Laodicea? How had they become lukewarm? Verse 17, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Of all the churches in Asia Minor, the church in Laodicea was the most wealthy. 
It was the most self-sufficient. That the city of Laodicea was known for its financial strength, its medical advances, and it had a, a linen and wool industry. In fact, it was so wealthy that after the earthquake of that area in A.D. 60, um, Tacitus wrote in historical annals that Laodicea arose from the ruins by the strength of her own resources with no help from us. Laodicea was the only city that did not request financial assistance from Rome to rebuild. Laodicea was also a medical school for eye doctors. Laodicea developed an eye salve that was sold across the Roman Empire. And the black linen of Laodicea was desired. It was rare. It was in high demand all over the Roman Empire. You see, in short, the Laodiceans left, led a charmed life. They really had it all. They had material wealth. They had health. They had the finest clothes around. But what happens when we have it all? What happens to any of us when basically we have whatever we want? Well, Solomon spoke to that in Ecclesiastes, didn't he? He said, I refrain nothing from what I saw that I wanted. It's kind of ironic that when we really need nothing from anybody and when we've really never known failure, that can be a spiritual handicap. It can be a moral handicap, and it can make it hard for us to sustain a meaningful relationship with God and with other people. You see, we start to believe that I really don't need God for today. What? Pray for daily bread? And that we're really, when we look at other people who have less and who are suffering, we feel, we can so quickly feel somehow that we're better than them. And the sad thing is, we become so unaware of our profound vulnerability. You see, this is why Jesus had to intervene for the Laodiceans. They didn't see it. As one commentator of this passage says, Thus, despite their banks, they were beggars. Despite their famous ISAV, they were blind. Despite their prosperous clothing factories, they were naked. Throughout Scripture, spiritual nakedness always refers to our guilt and our shame of sin. And when all of us are honest we see that our track record before God comes up short. When we stop and really are honest, and spiritual poverty is our inability in and of ourselves to do anything about it. We can't fix it because we're poor. And spiritual blindness is, is just what it sounds like. We can't see it. We can't see our true condition. We really don't have a clue how deep our problem really goes. Well, the truth is about Laodiceans that, that they were compromising in just about every way imaginable. They were, 
confessing allegiance to Caesar to save their contracts. They were attending idol festivals in order to maintain position in the community. They kept their relationship with Jesus as private as it could be so that they could avoid the pain of being different from others whose approval was so important to them. It's, it's a common struggle or challenge for believers. And these words must have been hard for the Laodicean church to hear. But notice that's not where it ends. Jesus doesn't just paint them a difficult picture. But notice as we move to verse 18, what does he offer to them? I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that you might be rich, and white raiment that you might be clothed. He wants to give them a series of gifts. This is an offer of his grace. If they say yes to his offer, this relationship is saved. This relationship is reset. This relationship is restored. This relationship is renewed. You see, it doesn't matter how lukewarm they have become. Jesus doesn't just stand by and watch it happen. Even though this is a painful intervention, it's a difficult conversation to have because of his love for them. He has it. But he doesn't just help them see where they are. He offers them the solution. If they say yes to these gifts, the relationship is saved. The relationship can be better than it ever was. Well, what does he offer? He offers gold. Gold that's refined by fire. Gold that's pure. That's the spiritual wealth that comes from suffering. And people who walk with Jesus through suffering have a spiritual depth that they wouldn't trade for the world. We would want it to be different, wouldn't we? We would like to have a life with no suffering, no difficulty. That would probably be our choice. But suffering is the fire that purifies the gold. It brings all the impurities and immaturities to the surface so we can deal with them. You see, it's when we don't face any difficulties in life, when we don't face any sufferings, when things seem to be going along well under our own direction, that our gold is not purified. We will not purify our gold ourselves. That is the work of God. Saying yes to Jesus and saying no to his rivals is what makes the fire hot enough to purify the gold. He also offers white raiment, garments, and those are the works of righteousness that, that we carry out in love for Jesus and love for one another and love for the least of these. You see, when our love for God, when our love for our neighbor is truly manifested, it manifests in a way that causes us to say no to the temptation of selfishness we then respond in loving generosity and we then are wearing 
the close of heaven. We are demonstrating that our citizenship is not here. Your citizenship in America is, is most loudly declared by being materialistic, a capital consumer. It's all about me. What are the monthly payments I can afford? What can I see? If you see it and want it, you can have it. But we demonstrate our citizenry of another kingdom when we can say no to the indulgences of our lives. You see, Jesus wants them to put on these robes, whatever the cost. The gold, these white robes, are precious gifts that Jesus is offering the Laodiceans in the midst of his declaration of their spiritual condition. Well, I was looking at this and I was thinking about these renewal meetings. And it might be this morning as we consider our own lives, maybe for some of us this morning this hits closer home than what we are comfortable to admit. Maybe there are ways that we have assimilated our spiritual pilgrimage to the air around us. Perhaps there are ways in which we have, are no longer spiritually refreshing to the spiritually weary around us. Or we are no longer warm enough to be soothing to those that are hurting. Maybe we're no longer a source of God's refreshing or a source of his healing in the places he has placed us. Maybe our education, maybe our success in our jobs, maybe the things that we've been able to acquire, maybe those things have left us feeling less dependent, perhaps in our Ukrainian brothers and sisters this morning. Perhaps we've become so useful and so impressive that we become blind to our own spiritual needs. But maybe on the other hand, maybe we don't relate with the Laodiceans in that way at all. Maybe this morning it's not so much that we don't feel we don't need God, but it's like we can't feel Him. We don't feel Him like we once did. Perhaps it almost, maybe it feels like we're kind of numb. You know, we, we can sit at the table with Jesus, but we, have, we would have it difficult to maintain a gaze with his eyes. Somehow we would feel uncomfortable, we want to look away. Because the, the thrill is gone. The love is missing. And, and in its place, perhaps there's some doubt confusion, maybe a disconnect between our head and our heart. If either of these feel familiar to you this morning, I want to assure us that Jesus has everything that we need to return to our first love. His love and grace 
for you and me is inexhaustible. No matter what our track record has been. So, maybe here are some diagnostic questions that Jesus might would ask us this morning if we're feeling somewhat numb. When was the last time you let me satisfy you? Or do you find yourself, yourself always satiated? Is there even one craving that you have that your body wants that you don't seek to fulfill? That you can have the discipline to say no to? Is there even one hunger or desire that you aren't pursuing? Am I all you need to satisfy your longings? Because, see, there really is a direct connection between spiritual numbness and self-indulgence. There's a real connection there. You see, Laodicea had the ISAV, okay? But we have the fitness gyms, right? And we have the all-you-can-eat buffets. Laodicea had the banks, but we have the internet. We have all the social media attention that you could ever want. Laodicea could take care of your clothes, but our society can take care of us, right? All of our cravings. In fact, in our society, you can get your fill with no shame. Our society offers no shame. And in fact, perhaps among people that you relate, they might even like you better if you sought to fulfill your desires with what our society offers. I mean, who needs Jesus to satisfy longings of your heart if you can go out in our world with what you have and you can satisfy those needs? And it's so cheap. And it's so acceptable, and momentarily, it is so thrilling. You see, we may have a whole different set of interests than Laodiceans. And we yet might come to the same conclusion. Laodiceans says, we need nothing. Does that sound familiar? I got it. How often do we say that to one another? How you doing? I'm good. I got it. Personal indulgence and spiritual numbness go hand in hand. So again, I say this morning, when was the last time that you really let Jesus satisfy you? Can you trust him with your unfulfilled desires? Or do we have to seek to fill them on ourselves? You see, Jesus calls himself over and over again. He says, I am the living water. I am the bread of life. 
He can refresh us. He can satisfy the deepest longings we have. And we need not be harassed by unmet cravings. We no longer need to be a slave to pleasure. And our society today just keeps coming up with more and more and more and more things to provide pleasure. Jesus can heal that numbness and restore us back to healthy life. Well, I conclude this morning with verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. Very familiar verse. You've probably heard it all your lives. And, and, and often this verse is, is quoted or mentioned evangelistically. Okay? And, and I think there's some truth in that. But I, let's not miss, this was not written about people who were coming to Christ. This was written to believers. This was written to the church at Laodicea. This is written to us. Okay? What an invitation. Let's listen to it this morning. Jesus stands at the door. Why does he stand there? Because he's not a thief. He's not a robber. He's not an intruder. He does not force his way in. He stands at the door and knocks. Why does he take that approach? Because he loves us. He loves us. He's speaking a loving invitation on the other side of our heart's door. And it doesn't matter what's going on in our life. It doesn't matter what spiritual failure we've experienced. It doesn't matter what struggle we may be having with approval of others or being different for the sake of Christ or strained relationships, he stands at the door and knocks. You see, think about it. God himself is knocking at my heart's door. Holiness is at my doorstep. And if you and I will only open the door, he will come in. And we will find, not a judge, not a condemner, we will find a loving Savior who gave his life for us. He'll give light. That's clarity. That's a renewed sense of purpose. And healing just flows from his being. Wherever he encounters us, healing flows from him. Now, now, don't worry about cleaning up. That's not even on his agenda. You don't have to go get cleaned up before you open the door so you're presentable. Just open the door. He wants to enter in. He wants fellowship with us. So, what will Jesus' invitation be like to us as a congregation this week? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he'll call us to surrender something. To die to some desire or ambition that's not pleasing to him.
maybe he's going to call us to once again love him more. Like he said to Peter, do you love me more than these? Now, I don't know what all the these were, but in our lives, do we love him more? Is he a higher priority than these good things? Maybe he'll call us to confess a sin and repent and find forgiveness. Maybe he'll call us to return to that first love. This morning, preparation for renewal is so important. You know, Ron is not coming this week as a salesman. Okay? He's not going to be coming as a, as a persuasive person to try to get us to do something we won't want to do. That's not what he's coming to do. So a lot of how you and I hear and receive truth that he will share to us, that God has impressed upon him to share with us, is going to have to do with our preparation to hear it. You and I know what that's like. You know what it's like to go to a conference or a meeting somewhere where we are really interested I've heard about this, but I, I've never seen, I've, I've never, I really want to know more about this versus, do I have to go to this thing? You know? So a lot has to do with the preparation of our heart. So this week, I want to encourage you. This opportunity doesn't come every week. So let's, let's take advantage of it. Let's, let's, on our part, let's do everything we can do to hear his knock. Okay? Let's pray for Ron. Let's pray for one another. Let's pray that God's Spirit will speak to us. You know what it's like when someone important comes and somehow it looked like they, they, they went through and it shook, it spoke to people and shook people's hands and somehow you got missed. Maybe you stepped aside and you come back and say, oh, I didn't even get to, and you kind of feel left out. Have you ever had that experience? Uh, I don't want that for me this week. Like the Negro spiritual, not my mother. Not my father, not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord. I don't want him to pass me by this week. I want to come out of this week feeling closer to my heavenly father than I've ever felt. And I desire that for all of us. Let's pray. Father, this morning we acknowledge that it's hard for us at times to truly see our spiritual condition. It's so easy to assimilate to the culture about us. It's so easy to lose our focus. It's so easy to become so caught up with doing good than being who you would have us to be. 
I pray for Brother Ron this week as he prepares and as he comes. And I pray that your spirit would direct and speak to us. Help us, Father, to quiet our hearts this week and listen, even as Samuel did, to hear that knock, to hear that voice. And may we respond likewise. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. We welcome the ministry of your spirit among us this week. For it's in Christ's name we pray.